at him and said, This man too was with you. But he denied, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A short while later, someone else saw him and said, But Peter answered, My friend, I am not. About an hour later, still another insisted. But Peter said, My friend, I do not know what you are talking about. Just as he was saying this, the cock crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. The men who held Jesus in custody were ridiculing and beating him. They blindfolded him and questioned him, saying, And they reviled him in saying many other things against him. When day came, the council of elders of the people met, both chief, chief priests and scribes, and they brought him before the, their Sanhedrin. They said, But he replied to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question, you will not respond. But from this time on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked. He replied to them, You say that I am. Then they said, Then the whole assembly of them arose and brought him before Pilate. They brought charges against him, saying, Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. Pilate then addressed the chief priest and the crowds. I find this man not guilty. But they were adamant and said, On hearing this, Pilate asked if the, if the man was a Galilean, and upon learning that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. He had been wanting to see him for a long time, for he had heard about him, and had been hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at length, but he gave him no answer. The chief priests and scribes, meanwhile, stood by accusing him harshly. Herod and his soldiers treated him contemptuously and mocked him. And after clothing him in resplendent garb, he sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate became friends that very day, even though they had been enemies formerly. Pilate then summoned the chief priests the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me and accused him of inciting the people to revolt. 
I have conducted my investigation in your presence and have not found this man guilty of the charges you have brought against him, nor did Herod, for he sent him back to us. So no capital crime has been committed by him. Therefore, I shall have him flogged and then release him. But all together they shouted out, Now Barabbas had been imprisoned for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Again, Pilate addressed them, still wishing to release Jesus, but they continued their shouting. Pilate addressed them a third time. What evil has this man done? I found him guilty of no capital crime. Therefore, I shall have him flogged and then release him. With loud shouts, however, they persisted in calling for his crucifixion, and their voices prevailed. The the verdict of Pilate was that their demand should be granted. So he released the man who had been imprisoned for rebellion and murder, for whom they asked, and he handed Jesus over to them to deal with as they wished. As they led him away, they took hold of a certain Simon of Cyrenian, who was coming in, in from the country. And after laying the cross on him, they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd of people followed Jesus, including many women who mourned and lamented him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, Do not weep for me. Weep instead for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming when people will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. At that time people will say to the mountains, Fall upon us, and to the hills cover us. For if these things are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now two others, both criminals, were led away with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, skull, they crucified him and the criminals there, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They divided his garments by casting lots, The people stood by and watched. The rulers, meanwhile, sneered at him and said, Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly. For the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. 
Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because of an eclipse of the sun. Then the veil of the temple was torn down in the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. centurion who witnessed what had happened glorified God and said, This man was innocent, beyond doubt. When all the people who had gathered for this spectacle saw that what had happened, they returned home beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances stood at a distance, including the women who had followed him from Galilee and saw these events. Now there was a virtuous and righteous man named Joseph, who though he was a member of the council, had not consented to their plan of action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and was awaiting the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. After he had taken the body down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a rock-hewn tomb in which no one had yet been buried. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come from Galilee with him followed behind. And, then, and when they had seen the tomb and the way in which his body was laid in it, they returned and prepared spices perfumed oils. Then they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Once Jesus was walking through a town and he was, found himself in a crowd of people and there was in that crowd a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And when she saw Jesus moved by faith, she said, if I could only touch the edge of his cloak, I could be healed. 
And so she made her way through the crowd and she reached out and touched him. And when she touched him, she was healed. He is the Son of God and, and his body is holy and, and so a power flowed out from it and healed her. It healed her and it didn't seem to cost him anything. So if we consider today's gospel, when he's so brutally treated and suffers and died, we could ask, couldn't he have saved us in another way? Couldn't he have just sent out an effusion of his power to heal and redeem the world without suffering and dying as he did? Couldn't it have been that everywhere he walked, paradise was restored and pollution was absorbed and trees would grow up in his wake? Couldn't it have been that anyone who ever looked at him would be released of greed and envy and anger? Couldn't he have gone up to the top of a high mountain and extended his hands over the whole world and cried out, peace be with you? And soldiers would drop their weapons and hate would flee from their hearts and they would begin to love one another. But that's not how he brought about our reconciliation. You know, that's what we've been talking about all these Sundays of Lent. Reconciliation with God, reconciliation with one another, with ourselves, with creation. And today we find out how he brought about that reconciliation. He did it by entering into our brokenness, by becoming one of us, and allowing our brokenness and the brokenness of our world to engulf him, to overcome him. He brought God to the most God-forsaken regions of our existence, to death and hatred and despair. And that's what he did on the cross. He entered into the depths of our brokenness to reconcile us to God. Today, on this Passion Sunday, we're going to contemplate three aspects of his suffering on the cross. His physical suffering and death, his emotional suffering, and his spiritual suffering. So first, let's contemplate his physical suffering and death. It's on the Mount of Olives that he comes face to face with death. And as his death approaches, he goes to pray and he trembles. He prays and he begs the Father, Father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. And he begins to pray so intensely that he sweats drops of blood and an angel has to come to his aid. What is he afraid of? Is he afraid of suffering? He's well acquainted with suffering. He was born in a stable. He spent the first years of his life in exile. He walked from place to place. He fasted for 40 days. He knows suffering. Then what is he afraid of? Is he afraid of death? How could it be when we see martyrs die in his name and they go courageously, even cheerfully, to their death? Soldiers ride cheerfully to death. We have the example of Socrates, the great philosopher who went serenely to his death, almost indifferently. Could it be that Christ, our hero, trembles before death? He does. 
He is afraid of death. He's more afraid of death than any human has ever been. Because he loves life more than any human has ever loved life. Because it's sin that makes us callous to suffering and insensitive to death. You know, no one ever enjoyed life as much as he did. Because it's sin that it spoils our enjoyment of the world. And he never sinned. No one ever enjoyed a, a drink of cold water the way that he did. Every morning he woke up and he experienced that new day as a gift from his father. And he saw the sunrise and he rejoiced. And he saw his friends and he rejoiced to see them. No one ever enjoyed a simple meal of bread and fish as deeply as Jesus Christ did. And so he did tremble before death. He was terrified of death because he loved life. He was the man fully alive. And so he trembled before death. But to bring about our reconciliation with creation, he allowed himself to be swallowed up by death. He brought God into the brokenness of creation by experiencing in his own body physical suffering and death. In his passion, he also underwent an emotional suffering. He brought about our reconciliation with others by entering into the brokenness of our interpersonal relationships. Again, we might expect that Jesus was above experiencing the pain of betrayal. You know, great people, it seems, aren't troubled by the crowds. They're not troubled by the rabble. Alexander the Great didn't, didn't mind what the crowds thought about them because he despised them. Or great athletes, you know, LeBron James could care less what you write about him on, on your blog because he's so much greater than you, at least in his eyes. So why should the Son of God care how the crowds treat him or how any of us treat him? Isn't he so far above that? But the truth is that no one was ever wounded so deeply as Christ was wounded by the betrayal of his friends because no one ever loved as deeply as Christ loved. Even the crowds pained him because there were no crowds for him. He knew every individual in the crowd by name. You know, we read the story of the soldiers, these Roman soldiers who spit on him and mock him and beat him. And to us, they seem like anonymous brutes. But not to Christ. Christ knew each one of them. He knew their name. He remembered what they were like when they were children. He knew their mothers and their fathers and all their ancestors back to Adam. He was the one who had created them. And in the very moment when they were striking him, he was sustaining them in being. He was loving them into existence. Consider how he loved his friends. On the night before he suffered, he, he could have said, I know tomorrow you're all going to abandon me. He could have become melancholy and taciturn and said, go away from me. Tomorrow you're going to leave me alone anyways. Leave me alone now. 
But that wasn't what he did. Rather, he called them together, knowing that they would betray him. He called them together because he just wanted to have one more meal with them. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to share this Passover with you before I suffer. And then he washed their feet. And he called them his friends. And he fed them with his own body and his own blood. No one has ever been wounded by his friends so deeply as Christ was wounded. Because no one has ever loved as Christ loved. We can begin to understand now the anguish and the love in his words to Judas. Judas is the son of man betrayed with a kiss. Christ to renew and restore our relationships with one another entered in to the brokenness of our relationships. That's how he begins the work of our reconciliation with one another. Finally, we come to the deepest level of his suffering, his spiritual suffering. And we go back to the Mount of Olives where he sweat blood and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. And we said that he trembled before death, but there was something that he feared more than death, infinitely more than death. And that was sin. This is his greatest suffering, to take upon his innocent sin, his innocent soul, the sin of the whole world. He hated sin. He was the Holy One of God. From the moment of creation, angels sang in his presence, holy, holy, holy. He was incarnate in the immaculate and pure womb of the Virgin Mary. And in his whole life, he never allowed even a sinful thought to cross his mind. He spent his whole life loving from beginning to end. And now in the garden, he was preparing to take upon his innocent soul all the filth of sin. All the violence and deceit, the blasphemy and pride, pornography, racism, anger, all of my sin and all of yours, he took it upon himself like dirty rags upon his pure soul, and he took it to the cross. And that's how he reconciled us to God, by taking the place of sinners and experiencing the worst consequence of sin, which is separation from God. His joy was to be united to his Father. He said, my bread is to do the will of my Father. All he has in my, is mine, and all I have is his. His pride and his joy was to be always united to the Father. And in this moment, he began to experience what we experience when we sin. An alienation from God. A separation from God the Father. And so he cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that cry, he brought God to the furthest reaches of God-forsakenness. 
He brought God to that place of despair, that place of alienation from God. He was like the good shepherd who went out in, in, in search of the lost sheep. And he brought God to our furthest separation from him. So now there's no one who's too far gone. No one of you here, no one of us here is too far gone. Because God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, has gone to the furthest reaches of God-forsakenness. What then should we do? He entered into our life. He entered into our brokenness. What then should we do? We should enter into his life. And that's what Holy Week is for. It's one week to enter into the life of Christ. One week from Sunday to Sunday where we follow him step by step. The Gospels all record this last week of his life day by day. We enter with him today on Palm Sunday and the clock is on. Tomorrow, if you read the gospel, you follow him in his next, in his first day in Jerusalem. And then his betrayal by Judas. And then the preparation of the Last Supper. And then we come to those holiest days, the Holy Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. So let's go with him. Let's spend this week with him. He's entered into our life. Let's enter into his. I encourage you to live this Holy Week like you've never lived it before. You can come to know Christ in this week. You can, it's more, you can come to enter into his life. He's entered into our lives. Let's enter into his. Together, let us profess our faith. I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. With humble confidence, let us present our prayers and petitions to God our Father. Pray for our church, for Pope Francis, for our bishop, that the Lord will grant them a renewal during this holy week. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for peace in the world, especially in Russia and Ukraine, that the Lord will grant them abundant, abundant blessing and, the, and peace in their hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our community, that we will all have an experience of the love of God poured on on our hearts from the cross. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all our candidates and catechumens here at St. Anne's at American University, that they will receive all the graces that are poured in the sacraments. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we present to the Lord all the intentions that we make in the silence of our hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty Father, receive these prayers through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen.
pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the grace and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Through the passion of your only begotten Son, O Lord, may our reconciliation with you be near at hand, so that though we do not merit it by our own deeds, yet by this sacrifice made once for all, we may feel already the effects of your mercy. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For though innocent, he suffered willingly for sinners and accepted unjust condemnation to save the guilty. His death has washed away our sins and his resurrection has purchased our justification. And so with all the angels, we praise you as in joyful celebration we acclaim. created rightly gives you praise for through your son our Lord Jesus Christ by the power and working of the Holy Spirit you give life to all things and make them holy and you never cease to gather a people to yourself so that from the rising of the Sun to its setting a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name therefore O Lord we humbly implore you by the same Spirit graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration so that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread and giving you thanks, he said the blessing broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mystery of Faith. saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven. And as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you willed to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Wilton, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Savior's command informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
Amen.
Let us pray. Nourished with these sacred gifts, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that just as through the death of your Son you have brought us to hope for what we believe, so by his resurrection you may lead us to where you call. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please take a seat for a moment for our announcements. everyone. Happy Palm Sunday. So firstly, um, you can find the Holy Week schedule for St. Anne's on their website, but additionally we have some Holy Week events happening on campus at American University that the young adult community and the students are invited to. So first, there's confession on Holy Wednesday in the evening from 5.30 to 7 p.m. On Holy Thursday, we have a 5.30 p.m. rosary leading into the 6 p.m. Mass of the Lord's Supper. So this is all on campus. And then at 7.45 p.m., we'll begin a seven-church walk beginning at K. On Good Friday at noon, we'll have a Passion viewing at the AU Catholic St. Joseph House. 3 p.m., we'll have the Veneration of the Cross service at K. At 8 p.m., Via Crucis in the Quad on campus. And then on Holy Saturday, we'll have the Easter Vigil on campus at the K Spiritual Life Center at 8.30 p.m. And that will be followed by a reception. We also invite you to pray for the 14 candidates from St. Anne's that are catechumens um, into the Catholic Church. Uh, you can find their names on the website. And then additionally, we have six candidates and two catechumens uh, at American University. And then finally, there will be Lenten confessions this Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. here at St. Anne's. Thank you. Page. So there are many opportunities, many ways to live this Holy Week well. Uh, I just want to encourage you again, live this Holy Week like you've never lived a Holy Week before. If you pray with the gospel each morning, you'll see what Jesus did in that day, in the last week of his life. Uh, so pray with that. Start your day praying with the gospel. And then especially come for the liturgies Thursday Friday and Saturday night or Sunday morning to celebrate the Last Supper, the cross, and the resurrection. It's all the mysteries of our faith condensed into three days. And if you live it with your heart and you make it a priority, it will change your life. So you're all invited here, of course, at St. Anne's and also on AU campus uh, for this Holy Week. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glorify the Lord with your lives. Go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.